welcome to our last program in this Hope Awakened series. What a journey we've had together. We're so glad you've joined us again, or perhaps for the first time. If you missed any programs in the series, just go below the screen to the Catch Up program section to see and catch up on the ones you've missed. Well, John's program this morning is entitled The Journey, where he'll be sharing his own amazing story on how he found Jesus. But before that, let's go to Robbie for our last lot of questions. Good morning, Robbie. Hi, Rebecca, and to you, our viewers. Great to be with you once again. John Bradshaw's last program on the ultimate destination was just something else, wasn't it? And like Gary, I have truly enjoyed Hope Awakens. It's been an awesome journey. Well, this morning, we've got some really great questions once again. Question number one, how does a person receive the power of the Holy Spirit into their lives? Well, that's a critical question, isn't it? Paul says that if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we don't belong to Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, he says this, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. We receive the Spirit in three ways. Number one, we come to Christ as we are and accept his death. Notice John chapter 3, verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The second way is through prayer. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus said, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we need to just ask our heavenly Father for the Holy Spirit. The third way is to obey what God has revealed to us. In Acts chapter 5, verse 32, Peter said, And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. Question number two. John said, we go to heaven when Jesus comes, but I thought people who love God were already there. I'm confused. Please explain. A great question. Hebrews chapter 11 has the answer to this. It says that Abraham and other great people of faith were looking forward to a heavenly city. Notice, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has its foundation, whose builder and maker is God. But then at the end of the chapter, it says that they died and wait till we all receive the eternal reward together with us. All these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And question number three. 
Will Nebuchadnezzar be in that eternal home? Well, that's an interesting question. Now, the Bible gives us some good evidence that he probably will be in heaven. Here's some reasons. In Daniel chapter 4, it says that Nebuchadnezzar turned to God. Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are true, and his ways just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. The second reason is, is that chapter 4 is not written by Daniel, but by Nebuchadnezzar. It's actually his personal story of his journey in life and how God changed him. And the third reason is, is that as you read the book of Daniel and the stories, they indicate that one of the main reasons God sent Daniel and his three friends to Babylon was to bring eternity to King Nebuchadnezzar. So I'm pretty sure that when we get to God's forever home, heaven, I'm pretty certain that we're going to see King Nebuchadnezzar there. Now, before I go back to you, Rebecca, I want to remind you, our listeners and our viewers, of these amazing masterclasses that are going to start just over a week from now in both Australia and New Zealand. It's a fantastic series called Secrets of the Future. Now, these masterclasses are interactive Zoom classes. And how they work is you'll get a link to the class, you follow the instructions to join the class, and once you get into the class, your instructor is going to provide you with a whole lot of resources and study guides like these ones. Now, that will take you through each of these lessons, taking you deeper in your journey. Now, the great thing with these masterclasses is, is that you can talk directly to your instructor. So you can ask questions and engage in group discussions. It's truly an amazing opportunity. Now, these masterclasses have been run all over the world. And I've taught these series numerous times in the past. And I just love seeing the impact that it has on people's lives. I've seen these masterclasses change people, young people, as old as 18, 14, or even nine years of age is the youngest one I've had. But also, all the way up, I've had an 80-year-old person take my masterclasses on these um, secrets of the future. And they have all confirmed the power that these classes have in changing their lives. So you definitely don't want to miss this amazing opportunity. Stay till the end of the program to this morning, and Rebecca will tell you how to sign up for these masterclasses. Well, Rebecca, back to you. Thanks, Robbie. Even though this is our last program, so we're out of time to answer questions live, please feel free to send through any questions you may have and someone will contact you personally with an answer. Well, let's go straight to John Bradshaw for our last program, The Journey. In the Bible, there is a remarkable story, a story about the time God tried to kill a man. Oh, yeah. Who was the man God tried to kill? Well, I'm going to take my Bible and I'm going to open it up to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. I'll be reading from the Bible a little bit today without putting the text on the screen. Exodus chapter 4. And where do we begin? Let's roll down through the chapter just a little bit. And we come to where God says to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt. Because the men who were seeking your life are dead. He took his wife and his sons and he went to the land of Egypt. Moses was told by God he would do great things in behalf of God. 
See that you do all the wonders before Pharaoh that I've put in your hand. I'll harden his heart that he won't let the people go. Well, it says in verse 24, it came to pass, by the way, in the inn, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Now, we're not talking about Judas here. We are not talking about some scoundrel king. God met Moses in a hotel room. Uh, That's a loose translation. In the inn, in a place where he would stay, and sought to end his life. What in the world? The next verse says that Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband are you to me. And then God, it says, let Moses go. Well, what was going on there? I shall tell you. Moses was being led by God down to Egypt where he would be at the front end of a great work. But he had left something undone. And while that something isn't mandatory today, it was very important then. Moses had left something undone in his relationship with God, something very significant. And God said, man, I can't use you like that. You can't go down there like that. You can't be my representative like that. And it was decision time for Moses. Fortunately, Zipporah, his wife, stepped in and performed that rather delicate piece of surgery. Moses was free to go on. Moses knew that there are times you got to do what God asks you to do, not because God is going to strike you down. Moses was in an interesting place. He was going to be used to lead God's people. He couldn't do that if he was essentially in rebellion to God. Zipporah stepped in and made sure it all worked out okay. It was decision time right there for the Moses family. Decision time. And decision time came for me. Oh, no, God did not meet me in a hotel room. My life wasn't in jeopardy, although maybe it was my eternal life, my spiritual life. I was sitting in a bathtub late one night, early one morning in North London, N16, Stoke Newington. That's where I was living at the time. I'd left my home country of New Zealand, traveled halfway around the world to see the world And while I was sitting in a bathtub that night, God spoke to me and he said, John, it's now or it may be never. It is time for you to make a decision for me. What in the world would I do? And how was it that I would be in a London bathtub, in a bathtub halfway around the world from my home, that God would speak to me and say, now's your chance to make a decision. Well, let me back up and go back to the beginning. I was raised into a working class family in a simple little town, a beautiful town. But I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. The railroad ran right through the middle of town. And no matter what side of the railroad you were on, you were on the wrong side of the tracks. But I was born into a family where my father was very religious. My mother was not. She was amenable. She was okay. Uh, Didn't mind us practicing our faith. Very supportive. But we followed dad's lead. And just as far back as I can remember, Dad would take us down to our local church, St. Paul's. And those are probably my earliest memories in life. I was taught to love the church and to attend church. In fact, the idea of God permeated my life. I cannot say the Bible had much to do with my life, but the idea of God and faith in God, oh, absolutely. I was taught to pray. I was taught to say the rosary. I was taught... To go to church, I was an altar boy from a very young age, an assistant to the priest. 
It was important that I would make my first holy confession and then my first holy communion, and I did. And I loved my church. I went to the little church school, fantastic school. Uh, I learned about all kinds of things about God. But it started to dawn on me after a while that not all of what I was learning might be true. Here's what I mean. I learned that if you were not good enough, you could not go to heaven. Well, frankly, that sounded about right to me. It would sound right to a little boy who'd never read the Bible. I learned that if I was not good enough to go to heaven, I would go to hell. And I would burn there for a long, long... In fact, I'd burn there forever, is what I was told. Forever. Like every day was a new beginning in hell. That bothered me. I was told God loved me. That did not sound like love. It made it sound like I would love God at gunpoint. I was told that if I wasn't bad enough to go to hell, but wasn't good enough to go to heaven, I could go to a kind of a mid-range place, purgatory, which I didn't understand a whole lot about. But the more I asked, the worse it sounded. I was told it would be very hot. And I was told that I would be purged of my sins by fire in purgatory. That's the belief. I didn't like that. I didn't like going to hell forever, and I didn't like a place much like hell, even for a short period of time. But what could I do? This was my church. We had a pope. We had St. Peter's Basilica. We were the largest Christian denomination on the planet. Surely there was strength in numbers. So you put your head down and you keep on plowing forward. I attended my church school and just went right on about my business. One real question that arose came by dint of the fact that as an altar boy, I attended a lot of funerals. I hate to admit it, we kind of looked forward to funerals because if you were an altar boy at a funeral, then the family of the dead would give you like two bucks. And it was always good if there was a funeral and they asked you to be an altar boy because it was two dollars. Of course, it was sad. We understood that. But it became confusing because here's what would happen. The funeral will be held in the church. From the church, we'd go to the cemetery. In the church, the priest would intone, the priest would say, we can be happy today because our beloved brother, grandpa, baby so-and-so is in heaven now in the presence of the redeemed and praising God, which sounded great. But I kept listening. When we got to the cemetery, the same priest would speak about the same person and say, and now we lower the body of so-and-so into the grave where he or she will wait until Jesus returns and the resurrection takes place. So I'm the one who wanted to raise my hand and say, excuse me, just where is this guy? A moment ago, he was in heaven. Now he's in the grave. How can anybody be in two places at once? I never did, but I asked around. And I was always told something like, don't ask questions, or just trust, or I don't know, that's just the way it is. So as I went on through life, even as a child, I started to wonder. I want to share an experience with you that I hope is not uh, destabilizing in any way. It's not to me as I tell it, so I hope you'll hear it as I tell it. You see, we were told to go to confession. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been two weeks since my last confession. Here are my sins. And then at the end of that, the priest would give you penance to say, go and say the Lord's Prayer three times, although we called it the Our Father. Go and say three Our Fathers and say two Hail Marys or so, and you're good. 
a pretty small price to pay for your sins. There's something attractive about that. So I would go to confession and then I'd be cleansed, forgiven of my sins. And don't mistake this. The priest would say this was after the Latin, but he was a Latin priest. So he would say, ego te absolvo. Ego, I absolve you. I thought about that. Here's a priest absolving me of my sins. We had good priests, by the way. There were no controversies about the priests in our church, nothing I heard of. Although this priest I'm thinking of, often I would have to go to his house across the street and wake him up and get him to come for church because he'd been in the pub the night before in the bar and had a hangover and couldn't wake up in time. So we'd get to church Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning, and the old ladies would say, John, why don't you run over and get the priest? The nuns would say, John, why don't you go over and get the priest? So I'd run over and bang on the door, Father, Father, Father. Eventually he'd come to the door, crack the door a little, yes, my son, I'll be right there. So we knew he'd had a hard night the night before. I mean, a good fellow, you know, but this was his vice, I suppose. And this man last night was blind drunk and today is saying, ego te absolvo. Man, I wondered about that. And then I'd be absolved of my sins and then I'd go home. And other than the nuns, once the O'Shea family moved out, our family was the closest church attending family to the church. We were just five doors up the street, five doors down. By the time I got home, I had invariably sinned. I like to say, if you had a big brother like mine, you'd have sinned as well. Uh, I know how true that is, but I couldn't make it five doors without sinning. And once I sinned, I would need to go to confession again to get my sins washed away. And so if I didn't go to confession and died, I felt like, and I was told that I didn't have a hope of going to heaven. My brother, my brother had an interesting thing. He was given by one of the nuns, my big brother, something called the brown scapula. I don't know how you translate scapula. It's like a little medallion. He was told, you wear this, and if you die with that, you go straight to heaven, no matter what. No matter what. What I couldn't understand is why the priest just didn't give them to everybody and say, hang on to that, you'll be okay. I don't know why my brother never told me to get one. I wondered about that later on. But my belief was it had been formed that if I died with sin on my soul, I could not go to heaven. Here's that experience. Our church was on the main road, the main highway through the North Island of New Zealand. And I remember walking out through those gates we had and standing on the little grass strip between the sidewalk and the road and thinking to myself, you know what would guarantee that I go to heaven? I've just been to confession. I am clean. Oh, thank you, Jesus. If one of these trucks, semi-trucks, one of these great big trucks would just run off the road and run me over, then I'd get to go to heaven. I really thought about that. I thought, they never run off the road. And so I thought to myself, what if I just jumped under it? As I was driving past, I could just dive under the front of the truck. I'd die. And because I'm clean from sin, I'd go to heaven. I thought, well, no, that would be suicide. And that's not advisable. I was stuck. I don't mean to tell you I was nine years old and suicidal. I wasn't. I was nine years old and trying to figure out how to go to heaven. The other thing that bugged me is that I was told heaven was for good people, and I wasn't good. Not good. I probably wasn't the worst, 
but I was closer to the worst than I was the best. If heaven was for good people, I was wondering how I could be good enough to go to heaven. But I knew I could not be. So I just blundered forward, had a bit of a revival in my faith within the church. Then we started visiting other churches and we'd go to their prayer services and praise services, a little group of us within the church. That was good, I think, you know, it kept me in rather than out. It was helpful in my spiritual growth experience. But you know what? It's like the bottom just sort of started dropping out. I describe myself as a non-Catholic Catholic because I certainly did not believe in praying to saints. Instead of praying to God, I could pray to St. Anthony to help me lose something that I found. I said, why can't I go straight to God? Praying to Mary. What? Uh, Piano players would pray to St. Cecilia, the patron saint of piano players. St. Joseph would help carpenters. We had a St. Christopher medal on the dash of our car back in the day where you could stick stuff with a magnet to the dash of a car. St. Christopher. The idea being St. Christopher would protect us. I didn't buy that. That couldn't be right. I didn't think that God would burn people forever and ever and ever. I knew that a dead person couldn't be in two places at once. I didn't think that any man could be infallible when he speaks on matters of faith and morals. Just didn't believe it. But what could I do? I thought, maybe I'll figure it out one day. I got through high school relatively unscathed. I guess it depends who you ask. Went to university, did my thing, wondered what I'd do with my life, you know, and then I felt the call of broadcasting. And I ended up working as a radio broadcaster. I bounced around a while, as you do, worked overnights and worked on a network and worked here and worked there. Working in radio taught me some things. I learned some very valuable lessons about human nature. I learned, I, you know what I learned? I learned that people will believe anything. That's what I learned. Give you an example. Program director came to the office one day. He said, John, we need to do something really, really interesting, really exciting. I said, all right, what do you propose? He said, no, I'm looking to you. What's your idea? I said, I've got an idea. Uh, you might not like it. What is it? He said, I said, how about we do, I do, a nude radio program? He said, huh? He said, it's radio. I said, that's right. Why don't we do a naked radio program? Now, my lovely female co-host said, uh, you know what, I, I, I don't think I'll do that. And I said, well, that's all right. But I'm interested. And my boss said, I love the idea. And I said, let's do it. And so we went right into the studio and interrupted whoever was on air at the time to announce that coming up Tuesday, John Bradshaw is going to do a completely nude radio program. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I must hasten to tell you right now, there was no chance I was ever going to sit in that drafty studio bereft of my clothing. This was radio. It's theater of the mind. I wasn't doing a radio program naked. Not in the world. No way in the world. But they wouldn't have known that. And so I, I started to announce this. People would stop me in the street. Are you really going to do this? Oh, yes, I'm going to do it. Absolutely. You know us. Fearless. Boldly going where no man has gone before. 
the fact is, I didn't have a clue how I was going to sell this. Once I got on air and said, I'm naked, uh, you know, it doesn't take very long and that just becomes weird. So we announced it was going to happen after seven. The, the, the young lady with me in the studio would be there from six until seven and then she'd disappear and then I'd be on my own and uh, we'd do the nude radio program between seven and eight. And so the news played at seven and then the weather, I, I'm doing the weather report. And I came out of the weather report and played my, my theme music. And I'm thinking to myself, I still don't know exactly how I'm going to spin this so that it's not just weird. I mean, it was always going to be a little bit weird, but not completely weird. And then it was like I was inspired by something. As we came out of the uh, weather report and into my theme music, I said, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the John Bradshaw Breakfast Show. And uh, it's the nude radio program between seven and eight. That's when it came to me. I said, you know what we're doing to make this really interesting? We are utilizing the latest technological developments. And we are going to simulcast on radio and television at the same time. So go to your television set. I think by then we had all of three TV channels in the country. And turn to channel four, an unused channel. And I'm thinking back to my childhood. My dad once had a big old black and white television set. And my brother and I would get around the back and play with the buttons. And the, the picture would start rolling. It would get narrow. It would get hazy. It would get bright. And I said, around the back of your TV set, you will find buttons. You'll find the horizontal hold and the vertical setting and the contrast and all of these other things. I said, you just start turning those buttons and it'll tune the TV so that the picture becomes clear. And then I, I, I played a record, I guess, and sat back and said, man, the, the old people are going to complain like crazy about a nude radio program. And sure enough, I looked up and the switchboard is flashing like crazy, like lights on a Christmas tree. You know, in a radio studio, it doesn't ring. You got lights. So I answered the first First call, hello, this is John. And there was a fellow who said, hello, John, this is Bill here. And I said, Bill, how can I help you? And he said, John, what channel did you say that was? I thought, no way in the world. I said, it's channel four, Bill. And Bill did this. He goes, okay, it's channel four, honey, as he called out to his wife. I thought, oh, man. So I broke a couple of rules. I faded out of the song after about 40 seconds. And then I put Bill live on air. You shouldn't do either. I said, Bill, ask me again. What was your question? I got you on the radio now. He said, what was that channel? I said, channel four. He said, yes, yes, that's the one, honey. It's channel four. I said, and what else? He said, and what buttons do we turn? I said, uh, all of them. If you can find a button back there, you just start turning it and it will fine tune the picture. And he said, just turn all of them, honey. Keep turning the buttons. And I, I said to him, this is live on the radio. I said, Bill, what are you seeing? He said, John, the, the picture's starting to come through. We're starting to see you. Oh, have mercy. That's not me you're seeing. I thought, what in the world? And I realized that day that you can tell somebody anything at all. They believe you. We trust authority figures. 
we trust pastors and priests and Bible teachers and preachers. You know, that's okay. But you know what we really ought to trust ultimately is the word of God. This is where the buck stops. This is where we take our rule of faith and practice. Oh, I appreciate you listening to me. But as Paul said, follow me only as far as I've followed God, only as far as I've followed the Bible. Um, so that's what we want to do. We want to follow the word of God. So what was I doing? I was drifting a little further from faith. You know, a lot of people never made it through parochial school with their faith intact. Like I said, the priests were okay. The nuns, they were a horse of a different color. Not all of them. Some of them were sweet. But we had one nun whose name was Sister Mary Dionysia. That's why people referred to her as the dinosaur, which really wasn't fair to dinosaurs because she was much older than your average dinosaur. But dino, as we would refer to, I mean, affectionately, you understand, only in sweetness. She had a certain form of discipline that was unique to herself. If she needed to chastise you or punish you, she would grab the nearest thing, the feather duster. She'd grab it by the feathers, whack it right across your upper arm. Oh, would it leave marks? You bet. And you wouldn't want your father to see them. Not that the dinosaur would get in trouble. You'd get in trouble. He'd know that you'd been disciplined. If she could find the yardstick one meter long. Oh, I got to tell you, right across the meaty part of the back of your thighs. Oh, that hurts. Whatever she could find. There are times that she couldn't find anything. So she would turn that big, thick ring on her finger around facing forward and boom, 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 drive it into the back of our head. I've still got indentations on the back of my head. That would, that would match up with the ring that Sister Mary Dionysia wore. And then when she didn't think about that, she'd grab the top of your head and shake you by the hair, which is, which is why I got this on the top of my head today, I think, because Sister Mary Dionysia. You know what? I don't look back with bitterness. I don't. She was an older lady. I'm sure we frustrated her. Some might say deserved it, but no kid deserves that. After my father died, some weeks after my father died, we received a card, obviously, and on the back there was an address we did not recognize. <clears throat> my mother said, why don't you open it up, John, and, and read the card? I did. Dear Bradshaw family, my heart was moved. I'm so sorry. Mr. Bradshaw was a lovely man. My thoughts and prayers are with you. May the God of heaven comfort you tenderly. Wow, that's who wrote that? Sister Mary Dionysia. Really, she had a heart of gold. They just probably shouldn't have let her loose with a bunch of kids. So what would you do, you know? Did my radio thing right as, right as the job offers were flooding in and, and, and things were going great and our radio station had won awards and I'd been nominated for a couple. I did what a lot of young New Zealanders do, left New Zealand <clears throat> and headed for London, England. At least they used to do that. And you go there and you, you, you eat, drink and be merry and travel and see the world. So I was there in London in a bathtub. Now why? Here's why. When I went to London, I decided that I would go to Ireland, the land of my ancestors. My grandmother was born there, you know. I went to Limerick, Ireland. But I wasn't just looking for my family history. I was looking for Jesus. Remember how I had said, I didn't know how to be good enough to go to heaven? I didn't, but I wanted to be. I wanted to be. 
So when I was in Limerick, I said to the to, to a certain man where I was staying, where's a church I could go to? He directed me to St. Saviour's Church. So I went early Sunday morning, sat in an old, cold church, listening to what appeared to be an old, cold pastor or priest, looked around me. I thought in Ireland the church would be packed to overflowing. Heard a few old, cold people there, and I said to myself, I'm never going to find meaning in my faith here. So I left after church, walked out and said, I'm never going back. I was walking through the streets of Limerick, Ireland, kicking stones down the street. I stopped. I looked up to heaven. I said, God, I said this out loud, out loud. I said, God, I am never going back to church until you show me the truth. That was that done. It's on him now. I've done everything I could. Went back to London. And when I arrived home to my flat, there was a book waiting for me. A book waiting for me. You know why that book was there? Years before, one of my older brothers had given his heart to Jesus and had really taken a, a new direction from our family church. One day, he, would, uh, he asked me questions. He said, well, what do you believe about hell? I said, oh, people don't burn forever. No way. What do you believe about heaven? I said, man, I don't know what to believe, but I know people don't just die and go straight to heaven. Not possible. He said, what do you believe about praying to saints? I'm not into that. And he shocked me by saying, well, you and I believe the same. I didn't know what to think. He left the church and here I am thinking like him. What was wrong with me? He gave me a book. He said, read this book. It's about history and prophecy. I said, all right, I'll read the book. You know, I tried to read the Bible several times and had read I'd read some of the Bible. I took the book. I said, I'll read it. I read the introductional part of it, put the book down, never went back to it. Four years later, he said, did you ever read that book? No, I never did. He gave me a second copy. I said, I won't start on the introduction. I'll go to page one. I started on page one, read a page, put it down, never went back to it. It was four years later. And I had written to him saying, Wayne, that book you gave me, where could I find it? Well, I returned from Ireland to find that book in my mailbox. And I'd read that book late at night in the bathtub. We had a crowded house, only a bath. The shower didn't work and the landlord wouldn't get it fixed. And I'd sit in that bathtub after everybody else had gone to bed and I'd read that book. That book spoke about history, it spoke about prophecy, but more than that, it spoke about Jesus. And it talked about how to get to heaven. And I was astonished to discover and relieved to discover that you don't have to be good enough to go to heaven. I discovered that you cannot be good enough to go to heaven, but that heaven is granted to those who profess faith in Jesus Christ who confess their sins and receive the righteousness of Jesus. I thought it can't be that easy, can it? Well, evidently it was. You are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Could it be that easy? Lord, would you save me? Well, by now I was familiar with this one he'd saved and that one he'd saved and the woman at the well, the demoniac. I thought he could save them, he could save me. I thought, but what's my life going to be like? Because if I follow Jesus, if I follow Jesus, I should follow the Bible. 
And if I follow the Bible, then I would want to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy because it's in the Bible. Years ago, when I was seven, eight, nine years old, my brother, that same brother said, why do you go to church on Sunday? I said, because it's the right day. It's right there on the calendar. He said, look at the calendar. I said, Saturday is the seventh day of the week. My mother, the non-churchgoer, she said, yeah, everybody knows Saturday is the seventh day of the week. I said to my brother, why do I go to church on Sunday? He said, because your church changed the day. I said, well, if my church changed the day, that's got to be okay. Of course it wasn't okay. I'd given my heart to Jesus. I was in the process of deciding to, and I realized my life is going to change. I was living in London, living it up. What will happen when I go home? Could I go back to work in radio, doing nude radio shows and whatever stupidity? How could I do that? My life is going to change. I've got to go in a whole new direction. I've got to find something new to talk about. And I thought about it. I thought about taking that book, this book, different version, older, this is kind of new. I thought about taking that book as I sat in the bathtub and I can still see in my mind where the wall and the floor in that bathroom came together. And I was going to throw that book right across the room. It would make a satisfying crack when it hit where the wall and the floor come together. I said, I'll be done with it. I won't have to think about this anymore. My life changing, no way. Then I remembered something the nuns had taught me. That same nun, Sister Mary Dionysia, taught us this verse. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? I thought, yeah, I'd rather have Jesus than anything And I bowed my head in the bathtub and I prayed and I said, Lord, I choose to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to go your way. I didn't exactly know what that meant. I didn't know what I'd do for work. No idea in the world. There I was traveling around the world. I had to figure out what I was going to do with my life that looked responsible. What would my future be? What would my family say? My dad had given me many examples of faithfulness. He was a football coach for years and years. There were times that he wouldn't go away with the teams on Sunday because the bus left so early he would miss church. And he said, I can't miss church. You'll go ahead of me. I would say to my dad, Dad, weren't you worried about what people would think? My father said, worry about what people would think. All I could be concerned with is what my Lord would think. Those lessons sunk in deep. As I was sitting in the bathtub, I heard my dad's words echoing in my ears. All I can be concerned with is what my Lord would think. What did my Lord want me to do? If you love me, keep my commandments. Yeah, but even before that, by grace are you saved through faith. He wanted me to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He wanted me to allow God to have control of my life. He wanted me to allow heaven to be the most important thing to me, to allow the character of God to be seen in my life. Look, I know where I'm from. I know what side of the tracks I was raised on. I know that I'm not the kind of kid that you would have seen and said, oh, that boy will go to heaven. You might have thought rather the opposite. 
But I learned that God can reach down from heaven, touch the life of a young boy wandering aimlessly around the world, a young man by then. I knew that God could reach down into a little, a little humble town and touch the heart of some wayward kid who just wanted to be good enough to go to heaven. And I knew that God could give me the assurance of everlasting life. I want to offer you that same assurance. Well, only God offers that, but I want to encourage you to have that same assurance. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you the opportunity to make one last decision. Would you make a decision today for Jesus? Wow, what an amazing journey that John has had. A journey that has led him to have peace, certainty and hope for all of eternity. John wants each of us to have that same assurance of eternity that he's found. And so he wants to give our viewers the opportunity one last time in this series to make decisions for Jesus and eternity. Now we want to get a decision card into your hands this morning once again. And we're going to do it again with our mobile phones. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out your phone and text today's code word. If you're in Australia, text the code word GREAT to 0428-833-386. If you're in New Zealand, text the code word FAITH to 875. Again, if you're in Australia, text GREAT to 0428-833-386. And if you're in New Zealand, text FAITH to 875. Now, you're going to get a link from us which will take you to a decision card on your phone where we're going to ask you for some details on how we can connect with you. But at the bottom of the card, you're going to find a number of questions which I want to take you through right now. Make your response by ticking the boxes which represent your decision today. Number one. I want to follow in Jesus' footsteps wherever he leads. If after this whole series, that's your conviction this morning, I want you to tick checkbox number one. Checkbox number two, I have never read the book, The Great Controversy, and I would like to receive it. Now, as we've seen, that's the book that led John to the Bible and to Jesus. If you want your free copy, check checkbox number two. And number three, I want to be baptized or rebaptized. If that's your decision this morning, check box number three. And number four, I want to be a part of a church that keeps all the commandments of God and has the faith in Jesus. If that's your desire, check box number four. And if you have questions, check number five and put your questions in the comment section below and one of our helpers will get in touch with you as soon as possible. Now make sure you put your your first and last name and your contact details there and click submit. Well, let's have a prayer together. Father in heaven, thank you for this wonderful opportunity of going through this series, Hope Awakens. And I just pray for a blessing on each one of our viewers who have made decisions all the way through this program. Please give them strength and guidance and comfort in their journey to see you face to face. We thank you for the privilege and opportunity we've had to spend time together. May your spirit be upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, make sure you stay tuned because Rebecca's going to give you one last time your opportunity to enroll in our masterclasses, Secrets of the Future. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Robbie. 
that was just amazing. Now, as Robbie has said, you don't want to miss out on being part of the Masterclass Secrets of the Future. So make sure you've enrolled. To get enrolled, go to hopechannel.com forward slash masterclass and click on Secrets of the Future from the Masterclass list and follow the instructions. Now, to get tonight's study guide, as usual, go and visit hopeawakens.com.au and click on the free offer link. Well, thanks so much for being with us on this Hope Awakens series. If you missed any programs, just go to hopeawakens.com.au and look for the catch-up area to get access to all the previous episodes and share it with your friends if you like. Whatever you do, don't miss Secrets of the Future. Sign up today for that series. Well, it's been great to have been with you on this journey for the last month or so. Goodbye and God bless. God bless.